0: want to be a radical for jesus well this is pastor david host of restoring your voice and that's what this show is geared toward geared toward everyday christians to equip you for the good works of jesus and live out your faith radically and i hope you enjoy this episode of restoring, restoring your, your voice, voice. all then welcome to this very special episode of restoring your voice right it's uh See, looking uh Tuesday night, so I never go live on a nighttime, but hey, here we are. Uh, nonetheless, real quick before we get started, though, uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel, and if you're watching from somewhere else, and head over to the YouTube channel, David C. Maguire, and subscribe. Lots of great content organized in one easy place for you, and don't forget about the website, davidcmaguire.org, davidcmaguire.org. Um, that's right. This is live streaming there right now as well And if you want to donate if you want to help support the ministry Um, I finally got around to making a donate section on the website uh, It took me long enough, but it's there nonetheless if you ever want to Um, uh, so yeah, uh, and this will probably be the last live show Um for a while because I have to have lower back surgery on november 9th So I, I appreciate your prayers on that and so i'm gonna bring on my guest steve christie and we're going to be talking about the Marian dogmas. Welcome to the show, Steve.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on there, Pastor. I'm really excited about uh, talking about this, and because a lot of people are going to be asking, like, why would you talk about these dogmas? And it's actually more of an important issue to talk about than people realize. So mm. I'm excited. I'm ready to get into it, especially with this being the day after uh, Resurrect or I'm um, sorry, Reformation Day, which was yesterday.
0: Right, right, right. And I, I love, I I'm glad to have you back on you know we connected we became friends i've had this is what the third time now i've had you on and probably definitely won't be the last time but yeah exactly like this whole marian dogmas thing like people hear that many people probably don't even know what we're talking about when we mention them but before we get started then why why don't you give the uh, audience uh idea who you are and what you do for the kingdom
1: sure thanks pastor and again thanks for having me on um i was actually raised in a very loving devout uh, roman catholic family i graduated from my catholic grade school high school and college and it was actually towards the end of my college education that i heard the gospel for the first time that we're saved by grace alone through faith alone for christ alone it's for and it's for his glory alone which is based on the scriptures alone and it was actually my mother darlene that had actually shared the gospel uh, with me after praying for me for for nearly a year um, and, um, I started uh, studying scripture more and I, what I started realizing is that many of the beliefs that I had believed as a Roman Catholic, even though they are old and they go pretty far back and you can find them in, uh, Eve, um, early and medieval church history. Um, I started finding that many of them are not only not supported by scripture, but they're not, they actually contradict scripture. And the way we understand these, uh, dogmas is a little differently, uh, than the way people might perceive them. And that's something that I maybe want to touch on uh, as we get into this more.
0: Mm. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, for more, which is the link, the link is in the description right now. So if you want to check out uh, Steve's book on why Protestant Bibles are smaller, uh, feel free to, I made it way too easy for you. I read the book. (laughs) Great book. There it is right there. Yeah. Really, really, really great book. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Really well done. Uh, Really well-researched um wonderful wonderful for anybody who has any questions well you know what about this whole uh apocryphal i mean i mean i think luther removed it from the bible or something anyways um so oh welcome Doki Doki, welcome 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 um so yeah uh so i guess i guess we should start with then what are will w- we'll get into it the in more detail later on but exactly just what are these marian dogmas
1: Right, yeah, and I think it's really important. I touched on this earlier uh, about explaining what these dogmas are and how people are to understand them, and more specifically, how the Roman Catholic Church defines them. Mm. Uh, because at the surface level, it might sound different than um, what they actually teach. For example, one of the right. Marian dogmas, one of the earlier ones, is that Mary is the mother of God, comes from the word theotokos it's actually mm. not a really good translation it's actually more translated god breathes. and it's with the idea that uh, mary gave birth to jesus and jesus is god and so therefore she gave birth to god and and what it was it was to combat um the heresies of nestorianism and arianism mm. that believed that G, uh, jesus was a man but that he wasn't God or that he wasn't fully God, you know, that somehow his, his deity had left him when he was born. Hmm. But the problem is that um, over time, the term uh, God bearer or mother of God uh, began to change to refer to Mary being the mother of the church and Hmm. her being queen of heaven and as you know from jeremiah the prophet jeremiah he describes the queen of heaven as a babylonian uh, goddess of prostitution and as a roman catholic that always really bothered me you know when i when i heard the correlation and especially when i read jeremiah for the first time or at least that part of it Hmm. you know that i found it kind of offensive uh, to the mother of my lord you know to to have that that same type of title uh the other one is uh mary being a perpetual virgin and as we read from um the gospels mary is a virgin she's a fulfillment fulfillment of the isaiah 714 prophecy that the virgin will conceive and bear a son and and matthew touches on that but uh with the roman catholics they believe that mary uh, her virginity didn't stop at the birth of jesus but it extended throughout her entire life and this is actually based on um very early uh, Gnostic and Gnostic-like and heretical texts like the Proto-Evangelium of James and the Ascension of Isaiah and the Odes of Solomon and some others. Uh so, yeah, she was a virgin. She, the virgin did give birth, but but scripture is very clear that her um, virginity ended after the birth of Jesus. And the, and the proof of this is that she went on to have other children uh, with her husband, Joseph. Then there's the Immaculate Conception. And this is one that even Catholics... Um, misunderstand a lot of times they'll think that this refers to the virgin birth of jesus to refer to the immaculate conception you know that she, he was conceived without sin and it's not in roman catholicism the immaculate conception has to do with mary being conceived sinless in her hmm. mother's womb you know which is not found in scripture and it's not it's it's not taught even in the early church as well and the as my um my opponent, Dr. Robert Sungenis, who uh, had a postpone our debate, even he has acknowledged that the exact um, doctrine of the Immaculate Conception wasn't formally defined until the 19th century by Pope Pius, I think it was the 9th, I believe, you know, and mm-hmm. this is something even doctors of the church early on and even up to medieval church history did not uh, agree on, you know, that, and and what the doctrine is, isn't just that Mary was conceived sinless but that she remains sinless her entire life up to the end of her life and then the fourth one and last one is the bodily assumption of mary and it is believed that at the end of mary's life uh, mary uh, was assumed or uh, like jesus was like ascended into heaven um, both body and soul at the end of her life but in roman catholicism they haven't determined whether or not she was alive mm. or she had died first. It, it is up to the Catholic to determine that for themselves because they have not dogmatically determined that. Now, the earliest mm. um, beliefs is that she did die. I, I haven't really seen any or I haven't discovered any um, early texts that say that Mary um, was still alive when she uh, when the end of her life came seem hmm. to indicate that she did die. And even the Eastern Orthodox believe that, hmm. but there's no scriptural or early church evidence from this, from any Orthodox source. Again, a lot of these dogmas come from um, unorthodox sources for their beliefs. So that's. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to highlight, cause you know, when you hear Catholics talk about the history of, of the church, Right. Basically, to sum it up in a nutshell, basically what they believed has always been around, right? You know, we can go, you know, different different uh, examples of this. You know, um, things like the Second Temple writings, known as the Apocrypha, has always been in something like that. Uh, But they, but their belief is a lot of times that what they believe has always been there throughout church history. But you just made a point where these Marian dogmas actually have not been around. Um, since the beginning of, of the church,
1: right, exactly. You know, and not only are they not in the found in the beginning of the church, they're not found in Scripture. In fact, you can actually find examples of early church fathers, canonized saints in the Catholic Church, um, even doctors of the Church, and even popes who um, rejected one or all of these Marian dogmas. It wouldn't be until much later uh, that the, it starts to be embraced from in the Church as a whole. And, um, and when I, if you take a look at some of the debates that I've had and pre- previous discussions that I've had elsewhere, um, I give examples, you know, of this. As a matter of fact, um, the Immaculate Conception of Mary was rejected by seven different popes,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: now some uh, contemporary Catholic apologists have, have tried to do some damage control and say, no, these are, um, you know, fallacious, it was uh produced by. A Catholic by the name of Lanois who hated the Pope, and, and so he's not reliable. But um, these lists actually come from a individual by the name of Phil Shaff. He was a Anglican, and he was a and he's a very respected uh, historian. And he's the type of guy that um, he would not have just assumed something from an unreliable source. He would have done some digging on this. And if you go to my friend Turretin Fans channel and on his on Tria blog. Earlier this year, he had given examples of um, these seven or or possibly even eight popes who -hmm. denied the Immaculate Conception, and he's even been able to reproduce um, some of the original sermons that came from these popes. And at least one I know is he actually has a photocopy of the actual handwriting of the Pope where he actually uh, wrote this out, you know, so mm. uh, he, he's really done the legwork. He's really done the grounding. So I, I would uh, encourage you to check out Turretin fan. I also, if you go on my YouTube channel, I made a video on the seven popes um, that denied the Immaculate Conception. And I believe I have a link to both his YouTube channel and his um trial blog as well.
0: Mm. Okay. So yeah, I guess we can, start picking apart these marian dogmas then um because you know they're are those who you know not no pun intended but they hog hold dogmatically to them yeah. and 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 i'm sure that it, you know they in their head or what they've studied i don't you know i don't want to be sound mean in this but based off of what they've been told with what they've studied that they have the evidence that that these are true right uh, mm-hmm. now i know you already pointed out um, they're not found in Scripture, and of course, sola scriptura is 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 our is our way of life. Um, you know that the the, su- the sufficiency of Scripture and anything outside of Scripture that contradicts the Word of God can't must must be tossed out. It cannot be held to as an orthodox belief. Um, so you know you start where you want. On I guess we'll just start with the first Marian doctrine or dogma. Oh, Marian dogma about. Yeah, you know, maybe tell the audience uh, what are some of the common arguments for, but do they hold any water at all?
1: Right, well, let's start with the first one. You know, the the first one, Mary being mother of God, Theotokos, more specifically, God-bearing. And the the concern that... protestants and catholics and others as well because you know eastern orthodox and other groups also have a bone to pick in this as well is because within roman catholicism these are not beliefs that are optional for the catholic to believe these Mm. are things that are binding they must believe them to be in communion you know and faithfulness under the the roman pontiff in order to Mm. not be excommunicated for example In the Council of Chalcedon, which was in 431, it states, If anyone does not confess that Emmanuel is God in truth, and therefore that the Holy Virgin is the mother of God or God-bearer, Theotokos, for Mm -hmm. she bore in a fleshly way the word of God become flesh, let him be anathema. And as we know Mm -hmm. from the Apostle Paul in Galatians, when he's... the churches in galatia he says if you believe in a different gospel or if an angel from heaven or one of us teaches a different gospel let him be anathema now the question is what does anathema mean now some contemporary catholic apologists will say that anathema just simply means excommunication it means curse it's a it's a strict penalty Mm -hmm. on, on those who are in the roman catholic church but that's not how um the term was actually meant um both by the Apostle Paul as well as in earlier uh, Roman Catholicism. Because obviously a person cannot teach a false gospel and still get to heaven. They can't say there's other ways of getting to heaven other than Jesus. If there is, you're contemned to hell, and that's what anathema actually means. And anathema is attached to these Marian dogmas uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, They are attached uh, to the canon, like if you do not agree to the set, a books in the in the roman catholic canon which is open by the way but that's a different story um if you mm-hmm. don't believe in the pope when he speaks ex cathedra you're condemned you know, If you don't believe in transubstantiation of the eucharist you're condemned so this is a, this is a very uh, serious issue now what i had touched upon before is there's a little bit of a bait and switch that's going on when it comes to mary being mother of god because as protestants you know we, we're fine with that term as long as it refers to to how it's mentioned, like the way the council counts, uh, Calcine mentioned that she bore in a fleshly way the word of God become flesh. But, uh, in later Roman Catholicism, this got extended again to uh, Mary being mother of the church. Now, Mary is part of the church, she is part of the bride of the Lamb. And, uh, Roman Catholics will say, well, this is, um, sort of like King Solomon and he had this queen mother there, um. His mother Bathsheba, and so it's no different because Scripture says that Jesus inherits uh, King David's and by extension King Solomon's throne, and, and so therefore she he, she ha- he has a queen mother in heaven. But the problem is that we have to be careful about not transitioning from what's happening on earth to what's happening in heaven. Yes, Jesus inherits King David's throne, but this is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus being the promised Messiah and the one who's going to fulfill that prophecy. But it doesn't follow that he's going to have this queen mother in heaven because, again, Mary is part of the bride of the lamb. She is part of the church. She is not mother of it. You know, and, and uh this is one of the reasons why, you know, Catholics will say this is why we pray to Mary and we ask her to pray for us, which the catechism of the Catholic Church doesn't just say uh they that Catholics ask Mary to pray for her. It specifically says that Catholics pray to Mary to ask her to pray for them which is actually a form of worship. And we know mm. it's a form of worship because Jesus said when you pray to the Father pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the word hallow is is a term that that implies um worship, you know, uh, mm. to God because his his name is is hallowed. It's it's very it's holy.
0: Right, right, right.
1: You know so, so so that's the problem with that's that particular uh dogma and if you actually look at the councils of ephesus and the council of uh, chalcedon you know that are defining um th- uh, that are defining this term you know mother of god it makes it very clear that the term is limited to Mary giving birth to God in the flesh. They, they had no inkling. They, they, they don't even insinuate that this is meaning that she's mother of the whole church, you know, let alone the queen of heaven. And what's interesting is the one time that you actually see someone going before the queen mother, it was, um, uh, Adonijah, uh, the son of, the, the name of the, his mother um, evades me right now. But anyways, he was the half brother of King Solomon and he goes before Bathsheba, the queen mother, and says, you know, and he petitions a request to the king. Well, the king denied it. So the one time you have an example of, of someone going before the queen mother, the the prayer wasn't um What wasn't fulfilled? It was actually not denied. And likewise, Mm -hmm. we should not be taking our prayers to uh, Queen Mary in heaven. We should be going directly to God through our High Priest, Jesus Christ. And the reason He's called a High Priest for is because in the Old Testament, the High Priest uh, would go before God in the Holy of Holies, and He would um, atone for the sins of Israel by shedding the uh, shed blood of the um, righteous unblemished male lamb which foreshadows jesus's atonement on the cross and he would sprinkle it on the mercies All
0: right so we got a couple questions in the chat so matt here you he said he before he came out of catholicism but he, he asked matt w asked what is the best way to witness to catholic family members who love praying the rosary i would say i would add in there by extension mary since it mentions in there uh yet are hesitant or averse to reading the bible
1: Right. Um, well, first, uh, I would say to do so lovingly. You know, the Apostle Peter says, "Always be ready to give a defense uh, of the faith, but to do so, but with gentleness and kindness." And sometimes, when we are in the process of uh, witnessing or defending our faith, we don't always do it so much with lovingness and kindness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I'm guilty of that too. I mean, I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll acknowledge my human uh, fallen limitation. You know. And the other thing, uh, before I touch on this, um, one thing also to maybe communicate is that. Sometimes I hear a lot is that if you don't believe in these uh, Roman Catholic Marian dogmas, I often hear um, being accused of hating Mary. Well, you hate Mary mm. because you don't believe in these dogmas. And this is what's called a non sequitur. Just because I don't believe in these much lighter Roman Catholic dogmas, that doesn't mean that I hate Mary. It, it, it doesn't follow. I love Mary. Mary is the mother of my Lord. She's blessed amongst women. I mean, she was given an incredible grace that was given to no other person but at the same time we should not elevate mary to a level above which god had revealed in his divine word so when you're witnessing to um catholic family members um who are praying the rosary one thing might be mentioned to them that the um hail marys that are mentioned in the rosary which by the way are uh prayed 10 times as many as the our father and that's another thing that always wondered when i was a roman catholic it's like why are there 10 times as many Hail Marys as there is Our Father? I mean, mm. she's a created being, whether you believe she's a um, sinful creature or not, God is, is a creator of, of, and sustainer of the universe, you know, and yet there's only one Our Father to 10 Hail Marys, you mm. know. so And also mentioned um, that or as far as reading the Bible, mentioned to him that um, Roman Catholics will, will often say that the Bible is a Catholic book. And if we read Acts, we find out that the reason why that the uh, church in Berea, the Bereans were more noble-minded, was because they read the Bible daily. They read the Scriptures mm-hmm. daily to see that what the what the Apostle Paul was saying was true. They didn't just believe it because the Apostle Paul said the things that he did about Christ, but he, they compared it to Scripture. I mean, you could actually say your Bereans were were your first soul of Scripture or Christians you know outside of jerusalem you know mm. you know so, so so mention to him that um that the uh the bible is something that um catholics do read it's it's something that is a commanded in scripture to read and by doing so you're going to get a much closer relationship to jesus now of course we touched on the canon and that's another subject that's not related to this um so i would encourage you to look at my discussion with uh, pastor david uh, earlier we talked about the canon or go on my youtube channel i've got a whole channel called Why Protestant Bibles are smaller. And again, as David mentioned, you can get my book where I have to go into more detail as well. So I, I would start that way.
0: Right. And then by the way, so anybody watching, just type in Steve's name, Steve Christie on my uh, YouTube channel search. If you're using a, your computer, there's a little magnifying glass right there searching his name. It'll pop right up for you. Um, so we got another question and by the way i love questions coming in yeah me too um, just keep them coming in you can yep. ask them you can ask questions as much as you want no uh no limit um so anyway so we have doki doki asking do you think the attention given to mary is somehow related to what the bible says about the pharisees honoring the tombs of prophets but are guilty of stoning them
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question, Doki Doki Bible Club. And uh, I actually cover a little bit about this in my book as well as my other discussions. And what he's referring to are the passages from Matthew 23, 35, and Luke uh, 11. I think it's like 49 to 51 or something like that. And what happened is Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees um, uh, for... he, he he's he's rebuking them for for killing the prophets now they themselves didn't kill the prophets but their spiritual forefathers did and what he said is that they that your your spiritual forefathers had killed the prophets and if you had been living in the days that they were um you would be just as guilty of it and one of the reasons that um uh that what i'm trying to say one one of the reasons uh that that Jesus had would rebuke the Pharisees is because they were exceeding Scripture. You know, they were setting up a Messiah that's actually not found in the Old Testament. They were believing in a Messiah that was going to be like King David and rule uh, militarily and take over uh, the Roman Empire and restore their former glory under King David. Um, and that's part of the reason that they did they missed their Messiah. They had exceeded based on their man-made traditions. For example, in Mark chapter seven. Um, when Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees, uh, he's saying he's rebuking them for uh, for korban. And what korban was? Korban was a religious belief that uh, God had passed down to Moses and to the Israelites an oral tradition that's found outside of the Torah and by extension outside of the Old Testament scriptures. And they put this at the same level, you know, as the scriptures themselves. And and uh, one of those rituals. Uh, was saying that the money that you would normally give to god uh, or normally give to um your parents to support them you're, you're going to be given to god themselves and he rebuked them for it because it transgressed the, the um commandments of god and if they had gone strictly by scripture alone they wouldn't have done that and they wouldn't have they would have recognized this extra biblical tradition is false and with uh the marian dogmas it's the same thing because these marian dogmas are in excess to scripture and not only in excess of scripture but they actually contradict scripture which i demonstrated in my debate against trent horn um, and as a result they're also transgressing the commandments of god and to an extent they're also adding to the gospel as well with these mm. by adding these anathemas to them
0: right 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 all right appreciate that so uh so i guess what well, we hit up the first dogma and then i guess while well, we we'll just roll in and while we <clears throat> see if any more questions coming but uh we on with the next one then
1: yeah anyway and then and the next one is about the uh, perpetual virginity of mary and as we touched on before uh the belief that mary was a virgin it goes back to the old testament isaiah seven fourteen, that the virgin will conceive and give bear to uh, give birth to a son but there's nothing in that um that that particular uh belief or that prophecy that has anything to do with Mary being a virgin her entire life. Um, and we get this from a uh, Matthew chapter one, when it says that Joseph will give uh, Joseph will keep Mary a virgin until she gives birth to a son. Now the Greek word for until is a specific Greek word. It, it's a, it comes from, or, or actually two Greek words. It's heos who, when they're put together. And every time that this term heos who is used in the new testament it always refers uh to an event ending or an activity ending once once an event you know uh, takes place in this case the event would be the birth of jesus and as i point out if matthew was trying to convey that mary was going to be a perpetual virgin all he would have had to say was joseph kept mary a virgin Period. He wouldn't have to add until she gave birth to a son. It's actually very mm-hmm. redundant. But that uh, dependent clause is only needed um, to convey that Mary's virginity had ended. It's actually needed, you know, to convey that. And that's a point that he's trying to make. And there's uh different Greek words for until that are used in the Bible. There's mechre, there's Acre, Ice, Haos on its own, and then Haos who. And these other four terms can sometimes mean. Uh, a completion of an activity, and sometimes it doesn't. But heos who, in particular, in the New Testament, is used this way consistently uh, by multiple uh, writers of the New Testament mm. to mean that uh, an event ends. So there's no reason to believe that when he uses this term in, in Matthew, that it means that the event um, or the activity doesn't end, that, that, that it's perpetual you know and there's there's other examples you know in Matthew's gospel like he says uh before they came together meaning before Joseph and Mary had sexual uh relations mm. she was found to be with child um it's the same greek word that's used in 1 Corinthians 7 when it's when it says that uh If if you separate for a time being, you are to come back together so that so that Satan will not tempt you. When he's talking about Christian husbands and wives, it's it's the same term. The implication being is that before they consummated their marriage, she was found to be with child, and that's because Mary and Joseph were in the betrothal period. It's similar to an engagement, not but not quite, because you're actually considered legally married, and it's a year long betrothal period. Hmm. And um, it it uh, and and during the betrothal period you don't have sexual relations with your your spouse so when the angel gabriel comes to her and says that you will um conceive and, and, and bear a son she's confused not because she doesn't know where where babies come from right. but, and it's not because she made an alleged vow of perpetual virginity that's actually wasn't even the the view of the early church but she was confused because she was betrothed to joseph but she couldn't understand how she would conceive because she, the betrothal period had not ended. She had not gone into Joseph's house at this point. That's the reason why she didn't understand. And then the angel you know, explains it to her. And then of course, you know, we find the brothers and sisters of Jesus uh, in the gospels. You know, we find them in the book of Acts. In fact, two of them, uh, James and Jude, went on to write the epistles, James and Jude in the new mm-hmm. Testament. And there's a lot of other examples in, in scripture as well as the early church where the, belief in the perpetual Virginie mary is not supported in fact it's actually denied
0: right 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 so a couple more some more questions again yeah from uh doki doki book club says what's up with catholics and fatima (laughs) right this whole lady of fatima thing
1: yeah it's actually i i want to bring up this this about this the apparitions of mary if you really want a good discussion on this go to my friend's channel a for jesus goy it's my friend mm. jeff robinson and he had an interview uh with a gentleman by the name of la uh, Marzuli. you know and if you and if you go on that just you know, type in the search engine, they actually talk about the, the apparitions of Mary, about the miracle of the son of the, of the, the Lady of uh, Fatima. And there's a lot that is about this that you're not gonna find from Roman Catholic sources. I mean, there's a lot more that, for instance, there's a fourth witness. Um, and what it is, for people that don't know what it is, it's a belief that Mary had appeared to three Portugal, or three Portugal children. And then one of these um, children, I think it was uh, Saint Lucia. Uh, she uh, wrote these memoirs down, and they and they and over time they slowly got. Uh, published and and revealed to the public but there's some other things that happen that people don't realize like for instance um there's a silver disc that's there you know and you and you see the holy uh, family there joseph mary and 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 jesus as a as a, as a little little boy which is really odd that he would appear, appear that way because mm-hmm. in gnostic literature like the the gospel of judas you find jesus appearing to the apostles as a little boy um, and th- they experience very negative things that people there, they experience uh, radiation burns on their skin, there's reports of cars exploding, you know, so these are things, and the guy that's doing this, he was a former Roman Catholic, he's a filmmaker, he had access to original sources, so I would I would encourage you to check that out, but in the Miracle of the Sun, the, the, what's problematic about this is not, not only is there no way to be able to prove that this was a, a Marian apparition, you know, it's just assumed that it was, approved because it's it's reliable because it was approved by the magisterium of the catholic church but there are certain some certain things that are said by mary this apparition of mary uh, that conflict with scripture for instance it's uh it she says if we wish to go to god we have a sure way to him through true devotion to the immaculate heart of his mother now jesus said that he is the way to heaven not mary is the way to heaven and Uh, It says that the devil does everything to overcome souls consecrated to God. Well, if your soul is consecrated to God, the devil can't do anything about it. And lastly, it says uh, devotion to the immaculate heart of Mary, our most holy mother consists in considering her as the seat of mercy, of goodness and of pardon, and as the sure door of entering heaven. Notice she's the door. And yet, scripture tells us, and Jesus himself tells us, that he is the door. You know, he's the door and he's yeah. the shepherd, being the doorway, you know, that allows the sheep to go into, into the sheepfold. So there's, and, and if you look really deep into Roman Mariology, there's a lot of terms and descriptions of God that are actually borrowed and used towards Mary, and, and, which is um, very concerning. And, there's, and then there's other examples as well, like Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Lords. And what's interesting is that Our Lady of Lourdes, it claims that Mary had appeared to St. Bernadette in 1858, which was four years after the Immaculate Conception was defined as a dogma. And it says that, um, Mary refers to herself as the Immaculate Conception. So it, it's interesting because you start seeing a lot of these apparitions refer, where Mary's referring to herself as the Immaculate Conception after the dogma is taken, taken place, mm-hmm. not, not before. And, um, There's even canonized saints who, such as Saint Catherine of Siena, that says that three hours after her conception, Mary was made sinless. In other words, there's this. There's it's believed that this apparition from heaven, this revelation from heaven, is denying the Immaculate Conception of Mary. And in order to become a saint in the Catholic Church, a confirmed Miracle has to take place, so it's interesting that a confirmed miracle that made Catherine and Sienna a canonized saint actually uh, disagrees with the Immaculate Conception, which is an official dogma of the Catholic Church.
0: Hmm. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, yeah, always love having me on. Get me, get me myself educated. So, <laughs> uh, I got another one in here from uh from Matt, and I know he had a previous one, which you already mentioned or about, James. Mm-hmm. He says, How do Catholics make the claim that Mary is the um,
1: mediatrix. mediatrix,
0: yeah, mediatrix, uh, co-redempt, co-redemptress.
1: Right, and just to let everybody know that these two dogmas are are these two beliefs are actually not official dogmas of the Catholic Church like the other four that we had mentioned. There was a push under uh, Pope pa- or Pope John Paul II to try to make at least one of them uh, an official dogma because he had dedicated his papacy to Mary, but it never actually ended up happening. Happening. Mm. So with her being Mediatrix and being co-redemptrix, it has to do with Mary being a uh, part of the salvation plan of Jesus. That if God had not picked Mary and if she had not said yes, and she had not agreed to it, uh then the, then the whole plan would have actually failed. You know, mm. and that doesn't really work because it, it minimizes the sovereignty of God, uh, to 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 work in people's hearts and and providentially um work through people in order to accomplish his purpose now the idea of mediatrix is that jesus is our mediator between god and man and as uh The Epistle to the Philippians says he is our only mediator between God Mm -hmm. and man. But the reason they say she's mediatrix is because it's no different than me saying, Pastor David, can you pray for me, you know, for something? Or you say, Steve, can you pray for me for my upcoming surgery? And they're saying it's no different than allowing, uh, asking Mary to uh, pray for us in heaven. But when we're praying to somebody that's in heaven, who we believe is spiritually alive, but physically dead, then that's a form of worship because there's no example in in the bible where that's actually considered okay in fact the one time that someone does pray to somebody that's dead is in the old testament when king saul prays to the prophet samuel who had died and he rebukes him and he says why did you disturb my sleep for why did you disturb my rest and he's praying to him for a favorable outcome, and what Samuel actually does is he actually gives him an unfavorable outcome. He's not, he's very upset with him, and that's why Jesus says when you pray, you should pray this way. Now, as far as um, co-redemptrix, we know that Jesus is our redeemer; he redeems us from our sins, and that includes redeeming Mary from um, from her sins as well, which means she was not immaculately conceived. But it, again, it's 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 with this idea um, that. Uh, Mary is part of God's plan, but when you think about that, we could say that about anybody uh, that is related to Jesus in some way. We could say that Joseph is uh, a, uh, a co-redemptor too, because what if what if Joseph ha- would have said no uh, to the angel's revelation that you know that uh, he was to take Mary into his house as his wife, and what if he would have been the righteous man that the Bible says? And he would have said, no, Mary and most likely would have been killed because a penalty for um, adultery, which is what the townspeople believed. And even Joseph believed at that point um, would have been stoning to death. That was a command under the Old Testament law. What Mm -hmm. if Moses would have said no to God when he says, go back into Egypt, you know, that place where they want to kill you, go go back into Egypt and take my uh, people out of Egypt, you know, Mm -hmm. and take them into the promised land what if he would have said no so you could say all these people are um co-mediatrix and you know as well and co-redemptrix to god's plan so to say that this is something specific about you know to mary there's nothing scriptural that singles mary out in any special way like this other than the fact that god had predestined her to be the mother of uh, our lord and that was the way he was going to come into the world he was going to come in conceived by the holy spirit but at the same time be be fully human because he was going to die for humans
0: right right Well oh, all right so yeah so let's um just trying to keep an eye on the time yeah. um so leah let's move on to the third one then
1: okay um let's see the third one let's see we talked about the um perpetual virginity the immaculate immaculate conception you know this is the uh, idea that uh Mary is immaculately conceived. We touched on this a, a little bit. Um, but the Bible is very clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all includes Mary. Now, some people say, Well, what about little babies who have not committed any type of personal sin? Uh, well, the context is that he's talking, and what about Jesus? Because Jesus didn't sin. Well, the context of the passage is that he's talking about all Jews and 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 uh all Gentiles, and he in other words, he's talking about people who are not God, you know, and when he says all have Sin and fall short of the glory of God. Um, the context is that it includes all those who have inherited um, the sin nature from Adam, because the Bible says you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And all that are in Adam who have become in, in Christ is because they, they have been forgiven of their sins. And this is the concept of federal headship. You know, the, uh, And um, that's why Jesus is referred to as the last Adam, because all those that are in Christ. Um, God is their head. That's why he's called the head. We're called the body. And just mm-hmm. as, as as sin had passed down through Adam to all of mankind, not Eve, even though Eve was the one that actually sinned first because Adam was with her, but she's the one that got deceived. Um, it's because of federal headship um, that sin is passed down. And it's believed that sin is passed down through the male line, not the female line. And this is why Jesus was not affected um, by the the sin nature because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit who's sinful, Mary was conceived by a sinful human father, which is why she inherited not only that human nature but also that sin nature. Jesus had a human nature, but he had a sinless uh, divine nature, and that's really the the, the difference between the two.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. That, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, and does anybody remain sinless or no, obviously not, because the Bible absolutely contradicts every statement ever made about that. And, uh, nor can a person, you know, we can be forgiven and washed of our sins, mm-hmm. but, you know, we, we all, we're all human and we're all going to sin at some point and have to repent again. Um, you know, that doesn't all not obviously make our salvation null and void, but, you know, we're going to repent because we did sin and we're, we're only human and, um, so, yeah, it's yeah, a great point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One other thing, too, is that when you actually look at Mary's Magnificat on Luke chapter one, she says that that she praises God as her savior. And she goes on to uh, describe herself as being in this humble state immediately after she describes um herself as as God uh, being her Savior and the word for humble state actually means moral abasement or to lament one's guilt you know the idea of, uh, of the guilt of, of sin and this ex- the same Greek term that's actually used for humble state is used in Psalm 25 it's tran- sometimes translated affliction or humble state to describe um, David lamenting over his sins and he also calls God his Savior you know, so so here in the passage, in context, when she's referring to God as her savior, he she's meaning it in a spiritual sense, and there's no where in the in the Bible where it actually describes. Him. God is preemptively saving um, Mary. Sometimes the argument is sort of like saying um, it's like you're gonna about ready to fall into a pit, but God's uh, preemptively saves you by uh, keeping you from falling in. God has never described this way in either old and the New Testament when it comes to saving people from sin. In fact, when I had my debate against Trent Horn, uh, he also he had, he acknowledged that it's not used this way. Uh, the other thing is people will say is you know just as um, god created the ark of the covenant which they believe is a typology of mary uh, and and god created it perfectly um likewise he uh created mary perfectly and without sin well not only does that not work because um sin is a spiritual condition and you can't compare that to the ark as, a, ark as an inanimate, inanimate object but god himself created adam out of the dirt and it was before his um he had fell, fallen But that didn't prevent Adam from sinning. He still sinned, even though God had himself created him perfectly by his own hands out of the dirt um, before a fallen world. So, you know, and in the same way, Mary was conceived in sin because she had inherited that sin nature down from Adam after the fall.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. You know, great points. Straight from Scripture. Um, Yeah. So, uh, so what about the what are we on, the Assumption. Check one. Yeah, yeah. What, okay. Yeah, here we go. The bodily assumption of Mary. Here we go.
1: Yeah, the bodily assumption of Mary, as I mentioned earlier, is the idea that Mary, at the end of her life, she had assumed or arose to heaven, not just spiritually, but also in bodily form. And this is a real problem because the apostle Paul says that when the church Is raised, you know, because you know, uh, at at the end of time when Jesus comes back, it's going to happen at his second coming. And Mary is part this is the reason why it's important to remember that Mary is not mother of the church, she is part of the church. So if she had been bodily assumed to heaven in the first century, this would have conflicted with the apostle Paul because she's still part of the church, and it is, um, at the second coming when Mary with the rest of the church is going to be assumed to heaven it's gonna it's gonna be um they're gonna she's gonna rise bodily into heaven the other thing is that uh the um the idea of the bodily assumption comes much later in history i mean Mm -hmm. you you don't find in any orthodox sources until the fifth or sixth centuries and these are based on apocryphal literature this is something that's acknowledged even by roman catholic um mariologists you know as well you know so this is something that if there's an absence to it in scripture and as i tell people can you imagine us as christians us as protestants um trying to say that the the resurrection of jesus his deity the virgin birth and all these other things that protestant catholics actually agree with um are not found in scripture and they're not hmm. found in the early church they don't come until hundreds of years later in orthodox sources you know, and they don't get dogmatized until later? No, I mean, even the concept of the Trinity is dripping in the pages of the New Testament. It's 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 taught in the in the first century and extra biblical writings, uh, such as First Clement and others. But when it comes to these Marian dogmas, it's not until much, much later. And even at that, the first time you see some of these dogmas, including the Assumption of Mary, are in transitus literatures. In fact, Pope Galatius first actually condemned the, um, the the apocryphal literature and says that those who believe in this literature uh he calls schismatics and heretics and what's he ac- 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 actually threatens excommunication and i found that interesting because can you imagine mm. if Pope the i and um pope i think Pius the 12th had lived in the same century they'd be excommunicating each other because if you denied the bodily assumption of mary which wasn't dogmatized until 1950 Mm-hmm. you would be excommunicated so i so i kind of chuckled when i when i read that
0: yeah i imagine that <laughs> i guess I, I guess they all don't agree so yeah, yeah gr- uh, great points uh so we do have time for about one or two more questions sure um so this guy says here what about uh, matt says what about enoch i heard mary's assumption once compared to him
1: right well first that's a really good question because and the other person is is elijah if you read second kings elijah was caught up in a whirlwind to heaven um as well and, and went bodily just like enoch did and it is true and one thing to point out is that enoch and elijah these are old testament saints they're not going to be raised in the same way that new testament saints are because um, hmm. when the apostle paul is writing to the churches uh, to the Church of Corinth he, he says that the church specifically their resurrection is going to be when when Christ returns you know during that time period and Enoch and Elijah uh they are not they're not actually they're not part of the church you know and the other thing is the, Enoch and Elijah are mentioned more than once in both the old and New Testament as having been bodily assumed to heaven and yet Mary who is um ranked second in importance of throughout um roman catholic history you know second only to god she's not mentioned at all about being bodily assumed in scripture or in the early church and that's why they have to de- depend on what's called typologies which are subjective and actually not approved by the magisterium of the catholic church and this is something mm. that's people don't uh, re- really realize so so yeah enoch was bodily assumed but he, he's an old testament saint
0: right wonderful so like I said, we have time for if you guys got any more questions. Now's your time to ask them, because we're uh, we got about just over ten minutes left in the show. Um, got to get before my my kids go crazy and you know start eating each other or something because they haven't eaten anyway. Uh, so yeah, um, any I don't know any other thing uh, you want to hit on uh, while we have time to Steve.
1: I mean, like I said, this isn't something that I have. Um... This isn't this isn't something that, that I have written on at all, you know. Like I did my other books, so I uh, tend to refer people to um, good resources if you want to check them out themselves. These are books that I've written. One of them is "Mary, Another Redeemer" by Dr. James mm-hmm. White. He covers all four of the official Roman Catholic Marian dogmas that we talked about tonight, as well as Co-Mediatrix and Co-Redemptrix. Another mm-hmm. one is "Roman Catholic Controversy," he has a whole chapter about Mary and, and the and the concern. For going outside of Scripture for that, also by James White, um, preparing for eternity by Mike Gendron. Like me, he's a former Roman Catholic and he ministers and you know to Roman Catholics, so he t- touches on that as well. As and the last one is from the late R.C. Sproul. Are we together? A Protestant. Uh, analyzes Roman Catholicism and he has a lot of Mm. good information in there talking about different councils and concerns that he has. The other one that I had mentioned about was Turretin fan, go on his YouTube channel, go on, try a blog, you know, and he he covers heavily about the popes that um, that denied the Immaculate Conception. It wasn't just popes either. You know, it was uh, early church fathers. It was doctors of the church, like Augustine, uh, Ambrose, even uh, the great Thomas Aquinas, you know, th- denied the Immaculate Conception, and again, even Doctor St. who I'm going to debate, acknowledge that the the exact dogma wasn't defined until the 19th century, the way Roman Catholics you know understand it today. And as far as the bodily assumption of Mary, um, we know that Jesus had was a lot, or he had died, you know, and he rose from the dead, and and then so he was alive when he had ascended to heaven. We know Enoch was alive, and Elijah was alive when they had assumed to heaven, and yet in Roman Catholic theology, they don't know whether or not Mary was alive or not, which means this Mm. this dogma this belief was not eyewitnessed you know and this is something even trent horn acknowledged during our debate there's no evidence of any eyewitness of her being assumed to heaven again it comes from apocryphal literature it comes from unorthodox sources it doesn't come from scripture and it doesn't come from orthodox writings until hundreds of years later
0: Hmm. all right awesome um sure this will help people um uh, wonderfully so so then i guess one more time um where can people get a hold of you they want to watch your stuff they want to contact you or whatever
1: right um probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is either through facebook twitter or youtube i have all three channels you can look under born again rn you can see it up on the screen i'm a registered nurse at a local hospital so you can remember it that way and you can contact me for questions or whatever if you want uh, either one of my books i actually have um two of them, like this is the, the one, you know, why Protestant Bibles are smaller and the other one, not really of us. Uh, why do children of Christian parents aban- or abandon the faith? I would not, I would put in the titles. I would not put my name under Amazon, which is where you can find them because you type typed in Steve Christie. You're more likely to get the football players as opposed to <laughs> me. So I would say if you type, type in the actual titles of the book, you'll, you'll be able to find them uh, better that way. And if you have any questions, you know, contact me and, and I'll be happy to talk with you
0: awesome awesome well thank you thank you so much once again for coming on and like I like i said to the audience this will probably be the last live stream i'll be doing uh for a while um well you know I, i have to have back surgery on the 9th so we'll see how that plays out but um yeah so i guess that's it then so thanks once again for coming on steve i really do appreciate it um and so i guess we'll uh we'll end the show here then thank you everybody for watching. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, be blessed all.
1: God bless. Heaven it's a one way, one truth, one life. As long as we not ashamed of the name of Jesus and we do